The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Hi, everyone. I am uh, welcome to the Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster. I am Carla Cazenzi, and we have something fun in store for you today. Um, and I'm also here with Joan Holiday, producer, program director, and uh, personality on the river. So during today's episode, I will be switching places with the amazing Tara Brewster. I hope you're ready. I'm ready. Uh, Just a short while back, uh, Tara conducted an interview with me that truly stood out for its sincerity. And as many of you are aware, Tara possesses a unique knack for genuinely engaging with her interviewees. So today I thought it might be fun, a fun twist to reciprocate the favor and introduce Tara to her audience in a manner that shows a side of her that you may not be familiar with. Tara, the Tara we know, is the VP of Business Development at Greenfield Savings Bank and the Director of Philanthropy there. She is on too many boards to list. She won community awards like 40 Under 40, Difference Makers, Campaigner of the Year, and so many more. She donates her time to countless organizations, associations, fundraisers, is a radio host, a wife, and a mom of two. Like I said, this is the Tara we all know, but today we're going to learn a different side about Tara. We're going to get intimate. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So let's get started. Your background is truly remarkable. So I'd like to dive into your past and explore how it shaped the person you became today. You grew up here. You graduated from Northampton High School and then graduated from Smith with a degree in government affairs and anthropology, which I was surprised by. However, your path wasn't always set on the course to stay here. You once had dreams of relocating to a place like Montana or Wyoming, but you selflessly set those dreams aside to become the rock that your family needed when your mother received devastating stage four cancer diagnosis when you were just 15. So can you tell us a little bit about how that changed your path and your dreams? Yeah, thank you, Carla. That was all uh, a lot to, to hold. I was trying not to hold my breath while you were talking about me. And we even left out one thing, which is you should have won a million awards already for networking because oh, you are I, the networking queen, Tara Brewster. I should have worn my networking queen hat from um, the Get Down with Your Hometown Girls. They made me like a pom-pom hat from one of our festivals that we did and, and embroidered on the side, side of the hat says networking queen. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, thank you for all of those those kind things that you just said about me. And for people that don't know, I feel like I'm I'm very honest to the interviewees that come in to interview on the show. This is my most stressful thing that I do every week, um, really and truly. And I think that it's that way because most of my conversations out in the community are really um, fluid. They're not being recorded. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have to prepare for them. They just kind of roll. So um, it's really interesting to also be doing this and to now have the tables turned and to be being the one being interviewed. Um, I didn't have to prepare. I didn't send you any questions. And so um, I'm really excited to have this go down. Um, and you're right. It was from when you came on the show. And I, I was like, yeah, Carla, Maybe we'll forget about the fact that she <laughs> nope, wanted to come absolutely in and not. interview me. But then I was like, every time we saw each other in the community, you're like, yep, we're doing it. And then Kayla, um, who also works at Tommy Carr, um, was like, OK, we got to plan this. Like, let's do this. And so um, the date loomed and now we're here. So yeah. thank you. Thank yeah, you no, so much thank for, you for being letting here. us do this. You're such a good sport about it. But you have there's so much more behind you that I didn't know. And I was already in awe of you before today. And I think that 
that this just takes it to a whole different place because you have so much history and so much experience and life experience that has happened. Um, and I just would really like you to help us put together how all of that has molded you into the person you are today. Yeah, thanks. I mean, you know, I believe that it's so hard to be a human. You know, I think that we don't really own up to that every day. You know, we say like we're at the top of the the chain of of animals and, you know, we're we're so blessed to be here. But really, it's a very hard experience to be a human, like period, like regardless of, you know, if you have to worry about food or shelter or money or, you know, who you have around you, like whatever. So, you know, I think that everyone has a lot of trauma in their pasts and whether or not they come out and acknowledge it and confront it is up to them you know it's up to it's up to a lot of circumstances in their life and so you know for me I had a pretty amazing childhood growing up here in western Massachusetts you know I think that when we grow up places we don't really appreciate like no matter where we grow up right like I feel like the grass is always greener anywhere else but the place that you actually are but I remember growing up here um, and we were Northampton was the lesbian capital of the United States like that's something that I really remembered thinking and like calling this place and knowing that like that was like what we were known for and um, I think it kind of, in some ways, like set up this whole um, just uh, acceptance and thought of other and sort of just knowing that like we were we were special. This was a special place to grow up in. And so it was a special place. You know, I went to Hill Institute, which was the oldest free kindergarten in the country, um, which unfortunately closed and, um, uh, you know, in COVID year um, because, the, you know, nothing to do with COVID, but because the board had decided to, to close it. Um, and Florence Grant which is now shuttered, um, JFK and, and the high school. Um, and it was a magical place. Like all those places were really amazing places to grow up. But, you know, for me, my mom had a cancer diagnosis um, when I was in high school, when I was 15. And, you know, that was just absolutely, completely devastating. Um, not only to me, but to my brother, to my father, you know, to to my grandparents and, and to the larger community. Um you know, my mom was someone who always had a lot of energy, who was very um, outgoing and uh, really warm and friendly. And so um, she knew a lot of people. Um, she worked at Hampshire OBGYN, which was a OBGYN office um, right on Locust Street across from Smith Folk in Northampton. And I actually worked there um, after school. I would walk there from Northampton High School and type new patient charts. Like, I think this is like pre like Corey checks of having <laughs> you know, yes. youth work in medical offices. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Oh, they're shuttered anyway now. But um, so I would go there and, and type new patient charts. So I was I was very close and intimate with her um, her work. And, you know, the doctors there were amazing. Um, and, you know, my mom was complaining for a while about left abdominal pain. And, you know, they missed it. You know, she missed it. They missed it. You know, when we were in the medical office, she was working in a place where, you know, you could get checked out and you could walk across the street to Cooley Dickinson and get, you know, scans and um, 
mammograms and things like that, um, ultrasounds. And it just, you know, by the time her cancer was found, um, she had three tumors on her ovaries, which we all know ovaries are really small, but um, one was the size of a grapefruit and two were the size of baseballs. And it was stage four. Um, And so, you know, we know, you know, like a lot of people know now because so many people have had cancer diagnoses or had cancer touch their families. Back then, not so much, you know, or or it wasn't as well known because, you know, we didn't like the ways that we all connected with each other weren't as weren't as active as they are now, like social media and Mm -hmm. cell phones and the Internet and things like that. Um, So, you know, pretty quickly she was like fast tracked for chemotherapy and radiation and you know, I remember the whole time that she was sick, she just like had us convinced that she was going to live like she really did. Like in my mind, I was still sort of being a 15 year old. You know, I was still sort of doing all of the 15 year old stuff. And as a family unit, we were still kind of like doing regular stuff. You know, she was still trying to work. My dad was still working. My brother and I were still like in school. Like it was still pretty like par for the course in terms of like the cadence of our family was still happening. And that's surprising, right? Because you think that when you're going to get news like that, that the world's just going to stop and everyone's going to stop. But that doesn't happen. Right. Do you think that she did that to protect you guys? Or do you think that she was in denial at that point? Or she, you know, she really wanted you guys to to live a normal life for as long as you could under those types of circumstances with that news? Yeah, I mean, the world definitely did not stop. Um, And I definitely think that my mom tried to protect us and put on a good face um, for us. Absolutely. I mean, even hard, even even when she was like 80 pounds, 90 pounds, like and like dying, like actively dying in a bed in our dining room at home. um, With like a morphine bolus attached to her, like she was like still trying to convince us like and still fighting to live so her will to live I think was like the strongest that I've ever seen any out of anyone and I I haven't had the opportunity to see a lot of people die I've I've watched my grandma and my grandpa her parents pass away in nursing homes but um yeah all right well we're gonna come right back to this this is the western mass business show on whmp I am Carla Kazenzi here with Tara Brewster and we will be back in a minute The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. Welcome back to the Western Mass Business Show on WHMP Radio. This is Carla Kazenzi interviewing the most amazing Tara Brewster and here with Joan Holiday. So uh, we just left the break and we were talking about how uh, sick your mom was and at her final stages and how that was impacting you at such a young age of 15. And, you know, over the break, we were talking a little bit about how your body protects itself from those memories and um, how your mom worked to protect you and give you a normal life for as long as she possibly can. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which is so brave of her. The bravest, yeah. The bravest person I've ever met. Um, And 
you know, thinking back to just her protection of us, her maternal protection of us, you know, I really didn't understand because I didn't have kids of my own at that point. Mm -hmm. But she did not want to die because she did not want to leave my brother and I, you know, and that was like her real reason for the fight. And I'm not sure if she knew that she was going to die. I think she did. But I think she was really trying to convince herself and convince us that she wasn't going to die just to protect us that much longer because she did not want to go. She did not want to have my brother and I walk this earth without her to protect us. And you think about how selfless that is for her, right? Because she is going through so many of her own emotions, right? And what's going through her own mind. But to put you guys first and what's going to happen to you just shows what an amazing mother she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that experience and her ways that she mothered, you know, I know that not everyone has awesome mothers and you know relationships with moms are complicated and mine certainly was you know I was the type of adolescent that like snuck out of the house and got caught and got grounded for like you know a month or two and you know my relationship with my parents was was different and difficult and um, different between the two of them but you know my mom was always the one that would sort of get me out of being grounded, slip me a 20, you know, so my relationship with the both of them was, was different and, you know, it was harder with my dad. Um, so I definitely had to come to some terms with him after she passed, but I was the type of crazy teenager that would just be wiling out and be absolutely, you know, pushing buttons. And so I think that when she did pass in my senior year of high school, I had a lot of issues with my treatment of my parents, the way that I was, you know, I had a lot of sort of soul searching to do to think about like reconciling my behavior, um, which is too bad. Like, it's really unfortunate because, you know, as teenagers, like we are who we are and we do what we do. And, you know, I think that those are some of the hardest years for for children and parents to like you know, make it through together. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, when my mom passed in, on January 10th of 1997, you know, I really had to have like a come to Jesus with my dad, um, to reconcile some really old hurts, um, that, you know, he had done to my mom that, that like, you know, between my brother and I and him and really say like, look, like if we're going to have a relationship, like we need to like wipe the slate clean, now like today and start fresh from today because now it's the three of us like it's not the four of us and how are we gonna like move forward from this place because we definitely can't have the relationship that we had when she was alive because it's not going to work. Well, I commend you for recognizing that at such a young age and having that maturity level to be able to recognize it and address it, which I'm sure at that age was such a hard conversation to have with your dad, your only parent left. So how did how did you evolve from that? How did that loss of your mom progress into what your next steps were in life? Because that's such a pivotal time to lose a parent, a mom. Those are some of, I would say, the hardest years of our lives are those high school years, right? Oh, yeah. When you're learning who you are, yeah. who you want to be. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, you know, I wasn't supposed to stay here. I mean, in high school, before my mom got sick, I had always had dreams of being a pediatrician in big sky country in Montana, Bozeman or Wyoming or something. And so I was planning on applying to the University of Bozeman, even though I had never been to Montana. Mm -hmm. I had no idea why or what. Or I'd, you know, Northampton High at that point was kind of a hippie um, high school. So um, maybe that's why, because there was like a big, like, influence of of that sort of culture of just like being in nature and being free and like exploring um so when my mom was sick and she hadn't passed yet i sort of realized that okay i actually can't go away like i cannot go to montana bozeman because if she lives she's probably going to be really sick and my brother and my dad are going to need some support around like, you know, helping her and stuff. And if she dies, then my brother and my dad are probably going to need some support and probably me going out into the middle of the country is not the best idea. So I had to pivot. And, um, you know, it's funny. They say that people come into your lives for a reason. And Sid Dalby, um, who is one of my moms on earth, I have collected these um, maternal people that I call my moms on earth. There's probably like five of them um, at this point. And, um, you know, Sid Dalby came into my life in a CCD class. Um, and she was the, you know, I was uh, raised Catholic at Blessed Sacrament, which is next to the high school. And so um, I was going to make my confirmation and Sid Dalby and I met and she was in admissions at Smith. Um, and so over the course of our relationship that was developing, you know, I was babysitting for her kids and she was like, you know, have you ever considered Smith? And I was like, no way. And so she encouraged me to apply early decision to Smith. Um, at the beginning of my senior year, I found out that I had been accepted. So I was able to tell my mom that, um, you know, and for my parents, they each went to stick. Um, so they hadn't known, you know, no one in my family had gone to a four-year college um so I think she was really happy about that and she sort of knew that Sid was in my life so I think that made her feel a little bit better about leaving me at least knowing that like my next steps were somewhat laid out for me and then you took a job in Thorns Market right what uh -huh. was it while you were in college <laughs> was it because you went to you what were your majors in college well I uh I started off pre-med because of the wanting to go to Montana Bozeman yeah. and be a pediatrician which was the absolute worst thing I could have possibly mm -hmm. ever done because I was like really depressed and crazy like and that is such a bad combination for well, depressed, crazy, and young, I guess, is probably the, the worst, trifecta right? yeah. worst combination because, you know, how it played out in my life was to just, like, go full throttle. You know, I, I often say that, that I took the e-brake out of the car and, like, I threw it out the window around that time, like, around 16, 17, 18. And so I... Yeah, you're right. Um, one of my friends took me to Thorns Marketplace to get a massage from the backstop. Um, Michael Grosso still owns a backstop and he's still a good friend of mine. But I went there to get a massage and lo and behold, I turned around and there was this men's clothing store, this gorgeous men's clothing store called Taylor Men. And there was a help wanted sign in the window and I was like, oh, what is this? Retail? Selling men's clothing? I can do this. Like, yeah. And so it's really funny because that moment started like this whole career in men's apparel that would span like t 
two decades, like which was a successful years, career, for which you. is a successful career and, for me. And yeah. people who are in sales or especially retail sales, right? It takes a certain type of personality, right? And you have to really be a go getter, and it's uh, it's challenging. Very challenging. And you committed to that for a long time, and were very successful. Lived in. New York City, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. So, so Taylor Men, these two owners, William and David, they're like iconic and really well known to a lot of people in this community for being wild and crazy business owners. But they employed young, beautiful women to work on the sales floor of their men's clothing store, and um, I apparently fit that fit that case. Um, and I was just an animal. I loved selling really nice, expensive men's clothing to wealthier, um, affluent people from the community. And it's really how I got to know so many amazing people from the community. And it, largely it was men or, you know, men and their wives or their girlfriends or whatever that would come in. But like famous authors, famous musicians, like, and it really set the foundation for me to be able to connect and network and develop relationships. And like, what is the transaction between like you and me and money and item and retail and sales? And it is like a really precarious thing that not everybody is good at. Um, but I really cut my teeth in terms of um, sales and development and management at Taylor Men. Now, did you do that while you were attending Smith? I did. I worked at Taylor Men full time while I was at Smith. Um, and like I said, my first year was pre-med and I literally almost flunked out of Smith. Um, it was not a good idea for me to be doing organic chemistry and biology, working full time and partying full time. Not a good idea. I would not recommend that combo to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, yeah. Well, this is Western Mass Business Show uh, on WHMP. This is Carla with Tara Brewster and Joan Holiday. And when we get back, we'll hear how that took Tara into the next chapter of her life. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. We're back, and this is the Western Mass Business Show on WHMP, and I am Carla Kazenzi here uh, interviewing Tara Brewster with Joanne Holidays. Joan Holidays. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no problem. Uh, and we're just talking uh, about how, you know, Tara had, uh, how I would have never from all my interactions with you known that you were hustling selling men's suits on a sales floor um so t talk to us about how what 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 came about that experience so now you were selling suits you were very successful at it and then you went on to be a regional sales manager for seven different locations yeah right how quickly you moved up through the ranks and like joan said while you were going to college and grieving and grieving and Partying. I, I, yeah would you and would you say that you were doing that to keep yourself busy to not really have to probably yeah, grieve to, grieve to like be in like the darkness. Yeah. yeah, but like the darkness was always like very close. There. Yeah, yeah, it's always there. Like you just you can't escape it, right? Like even though you try to like party or work or whatever, like it's just omnipresent. Like you just it's something that you're gonna have to deal with eventually. But um, yeah, I I worked throughout. Um, 
throughout Smith. And at the end of Smith, I was accepted to go to Mongolia to teach English for the Peace Corps. Um, at the same time that William and David asked me to be the manager of Taylor Men, which seemed like a really great opportunity for me because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And when I thought about it, although I would have loved to have been like a wild horsewoman in Mongolia teaching English, I realized that you could do that until you're like 85 years old. And so I made the choice at the at the time to say, okay, I'm going to pause in the Peace Corps. I'm going to accept this job with Taylor Men. And so I, ch- I chose to stay um, continuing to develop my career within the, the small retail business, which was Taylor Men, Taylor Women, and Strata in Thorns. And then we had Strata stores in um, Winchester, Massachusetts, and West Hartford, Connecticut, and Key, New Hampshire. And so eventually I was the regional sales manager for all those stores. Um, and you coined yourself a road warrior yeah. at that point, right? Traveling, yes. maintaining all of the different stores, yep. Yep. sales yep. levels. Yep, yep. And then, you know, know eventually I think William and David probably opened too many stores too quickly and bit off more than they could chew at that time and so stores started to close and I started to see the writing on the wall and um, at the time one of my best friends Hannah Corbett was living in New York and she said just come to New York like and you'll figure it out like you can take over my bartending job at Slate in Chelsea and you know you can figure out what to do next um, and I really didn't realize how messed up I was until I got to New York City. Because in New York City, you can get absolutely crazy mm-hmm. and nobody will stop you from doing that to yourself or anything you want, whenever you want it. All the time. All the like, time. And it was it was really too much for me. Um, you know, I I just really like amped up my my partying um and uh being out late and being up late and um people that i was hanging around with and somehow i managed to find a job through taylor men through my contacts there and got a job working in wholesale apparel sales in midtown manhattan on um 40th and 7th so i really have to thank todd rhodes um for the opportunity because i am sure if i didn't land that job i would have probably come back home pretty quickly um, cause I was not a very good bartender, um, <laughs> trying to look up like how to make these drinks, like in <laughs> like New York city, New nonetheless, York city. right. Yeah, Where the like, expectation like, oh, is this, high. Bit of that. Like it, it was not a great situation. Um, but you know, I ended up having the New York Metro area for a couple of lines of men's clothing. And then from there I had from Maine to New York city. And then after that I was given, um, Maine to Florida. And so quite often I would get in my car and just drive um, to different men's clothing stores all up and down the East Coast. Now, how old were you at this point? Um, probably like 22, <laughs> 23. Oh, yeah, Joan. Oh, Joan. You have no idea. I'll, yeah. It was, it was a really intense time for me. And for me, I didn't have kids. You know, I didn't like, you know, my, my partners at the time were like also wild and crazy and, you know, whatever. I would just go and so the further I got from New York City from my apartment the closer I was to like the next place right so I think one time I called um, my boss and I was like well I'm in New Jersey or I'm in Maryland or I'm in DC I think I'm just gonna keep going like to Florida and he was like what I was like, I think, you know, I'm just going to like make my way down the East Coast and just see stores and then like come back up. And he was like, 
really? And I was like, yeah, because the further away you get from the place that you started, the closer you are to the next place. Um, and so that was that was bananas. That was absolutely bananas. But that was great until I learned that Taylor Men had closed. And so I don't know when it dawned on me, but I I said, I sat in my apartment. I said, okay, Taylor Men just closed. That was a million dollar store in Northampton that now there's a million dollar market gap for men's apparel. I've run, uh, you know, I've been, I've worked retail on a sales floor. I've, you know, managed. And now I have this wholesale component where I have all of these relationships in the industry to be able to to connect to, to salespeople and lines and stuff. I need to go back and open up a men's clothing store. And so I called my brother and I was like, Mike, can I just like crash in like on your couch or whatever for a little while I think it was like 26 at the time um, because I was in Manhattan for um, almost four years but yeah so I got back and just pretty much like marched my butt into Florence Bank which was where Mark Ramoli was at the time and um, Mark Ramoli is now at Greenfield Savings Bank and he's the SVP of commercial lending but um, I met him and I was like, look, like I need $100,000 to open up this store. And he was like, uh, okay, you need a business plan. You need this, you need that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Where are you going to move? And uh, I said, I left him and then I came back maybe like a week later with all the things that he wanted, you know, and he was like, okay, like, let's do this. And so, that's when you opened... Uh, Jackson and Connor. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I found, you know, I got the hundred thousand dollars. I found a business partner, Candace Connors, who she and I had worked at Taylor men together. And she was uh, at the time at Yale Genton, which was still mm-hmm. open in West Springfield. Um, and so I got her to agree to, to partner up with me. Um, we had met with Rich Matowitz and Doug Cole, who owned Thorns Marketplace, because we had looked at all these spaces and really figured out that the best place is really the place that everyone knows to be an iconic men's clothing store. And so before Taylor Men, it was Chona Men. And so after Taylor Men, it was Jackson and Connor. Um, and so... You know, we basically set up all of the stuff, business plan, business partner, sp- space, and then marched ourselves into Mark Ramoli. And he said, sure, yeah, $100,000, no problem, like SBA guarantee. And this was in 2007. So it was right before the financial crash of 2008. And you guys endured in the hardest of times the the a really difficult economy and were successful for years yeah. there. Yeah. Right? Yeah, six years. Right? Yeah. And imagine, like, if you think about, I can think about how young you are at that point. And so to be able to put together a business plan and, and put all your connections together and then take the chance mm-hmm. to go in and do it as successfully as you guys did, you should be so proud. Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, like, head down, e-brakes out of the car. You know, there was just no no stopping. You know, there was, like, no fear. And I remember I convinced my dad to give me the 20 grand, which was, like, the 20% for the 100 grand that I needed to borrow from the bank. And, um, you know, Candace and I just uh, opened on the Ides of March and we just did it and we didn't look back in between herself and myself, you know, our combined knowledge of the industry. Um, we were able to really, 
do it. Um, be successful despite it being a really hard economy. And, and do you feel, oh, I'm sorry. Jill. No, you go do, ahead. Do you feel that these are where your community relationships came from? Because I read that you, um, instead of investing in advertising, you invested in the local community and mm-hmm. giving back and building relationships. Mm-hmm. Is that where your foundation for philanthropy feel like came from yeah I mean because I think about it because I'm so philanthropic now um I didn't grow up in a family that gave back like we didn't go to a soup kitchen we didn't volunteer anywhere my parents I don't remember them like writing checks or or donating money so definitely it wasn't something that we did um as a family but um Yeah, as a small business, which you know as a business owner, you need to forge relationships with the community in order to get them to support you because it's so integral, it's so um, interrelated, like the support of your business. If you support the community, the community will support you and it's really just relationship development. And so at the store, you know, we really believed in putting money back into the economy and we believed in supporting local advertising so we would do radio station stuff Um, we would also do um, best buddies fashion shows and things like that okay so when we come back we're going to hear how that took you to greenfield savings bank next this is the western mass business show on whmp i'm carla kazenzi here with tara brewster and joan holiday the western mass business show with tara brewster whmp The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP. This is the Western Mass Business Show on WHMP. I am Carla Kazenzi with Joan Holiday interviewing the amazing Tara Brewster. So we, um, just to pick up where we left off, during break we were talking a little bit about relationships in the community and how Mark from Florida Savings Bank had taken this risk on giving a 27-year-old with a business plan $100,000 to start a business in the community and how it's those relationships that make a difference in a community thriving. And now as that business dissolved, you two now work together at Greenfield Savings Bank. Yep. Yeah. Isn't amazing how that it's amazing. Yeah. So Mark ended up going to Greenfield Savings Bank um, when I still own the business and we switched our accounts to GSB because of a lot of things I won't go into right now. But um, yeah, we stayed in touch. And after we sold the business to Will, our employee, Will Bredow, owns the store. So if you want to go see him, go see him on the second floor of um, Thorns Marketplace. And um I was working for City City Space and Symphony Hall in the Springfield bid um, between my like consulting time in between owning the store and uh, working at Greenfield Savings Bank, and so I wanted some um, I wanted Mark to meet with Mark because I wanted GSB to sponsor a show, and so I called him up and I said, "Will you meet me at Paul and Elizabeth's for um, some lunch? I want to ask you something." And he's like, "Okay." So we ended up meeting, and he said, "Well, before you get started on whatever you're here." for I have something to ask you and I said okay what what and he said we're looking for someone to do business development at Greenfield Savings Bank in the Hampshire County market because we really haven't developed that business at all yet and I think you'd be perfect for it and you should apply for that job and then he looked at me and he said what did you want to ask me and I said nothing nothing at all 
And now, and now, and now, look how that's progressed, right? Now you're the vice president of business development. You have made huge strides for the bank. You're the director of philanthropy there, right? Yep. So um, amazing how yep. that all kind of worked itself out. And you're everywhere. We were just talking last week. Just last week, we saw each other at two different fundraising events, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, one community of them was events. actually community events, yep. women supporting women, and yep. a different one was a, a fun a fundraiser. Um, and so I've always uh, been so in awe of women like you who balance everything, right? An amazing career, um, what you, how supportive you are of different people in the community and showing up and giving your time to different events and being able to be a mom and a wife and being able to dedicate that time. We were talking how our children are the same age and as they get older, they need more from you. So. Uh, you had mentioned a while back that there was a book that had there three questions that pretty much sum up how quickly and efficiently you live your life. And those questions were, when is the best time to do things? Who is the most important one? And what is the right thing to do? How does that play into how you balance everything, everyone who needs you with intention in your life? Well, I think first and foremost, I want to say that there is no balance, right? It's like a facade that we we tell ourselves and yeah there there is no balance and so I love this book so much I probably given out 50 copies of this book Um, and it's called the three questions by John Muth and the questions really help me place in my mind like what am I doing why am I doing it and like who am I doing it for? Um, and so if you can kind of dial into that in every moment of every action that you're doing, and I'm not saying that I do it, but I think that if you can be intentional about your actions, then it will help to really create the type of like energy force field or um, goal setting or life that you want to lead, like to actually have that come to fruition. I think I think that's amazing, and I absolutely love that. And we were just talking, Kayla and I, how we bought the book and are looking forward to reading it. So how how do you feel that now, If let's take this full circle. Let's go all the way back to the 15-year-old girl who lost their mom at such a young age. Did you ever grieve that? How do you feel that that plays in how you are as a mom today, your intention with your children? Um, I know for me, I'm scared every day and I wake up every morning thanking God for being able to be healthy and here for my kids. And how does that play a role in where you are today in life? Yeah, I mean, I think um, it absolutely plays a role every moment of every day like I can't separate out the 15 year old um, that has you know a a deep deep grieving but I think that it really made me um, appreciate and acknowledge the impermanence of life and really step into the now of who do you want to be how are you going to be and what are you going to leave in terms of a legacy Um, you know because for me I believe in karma I believe in a ripple effect I believe in like attracting like I believe that you know if I do something good in the world it might not come back to me but it will come back to someone else you know it will have this impact um, for the greater good. Um, And so, you know, my role at the bank has been really phenomenal because when I worked at the store, it was only us. It was only Candace and I, you know, and our impact was so small and our ability to like affect change was so small. But at GSB, we're a billion dollar financial institution. And so almost seven years ago when I started, I really convinced senior management that 
if we do things in service of other, what we need to have happen for ourselves will come back to us. And so because of that mentality, because of that sort of like um, energy transfer, you know, when I talk about these things with senior management, they're like, what is she saying? But that's how it is, you know, and people are going to come to us because they see the work that we do and how we are and really decide like, oh, I want to be attracted. I want to be with them. Like, those are my people. Like, oh, Tara's doing this. Like, we should do that. You know, like, so if you can try to be a beacon of light for people just to like give them hope or like a direction to go into, that's really what I, what I try to strive for. You are so right because a person does not have to lose for someone to win. There doesn't need to be a winner and a loser. Everyone can win. That's right, Joan. That's right. I I love your story. Thank you so much for sharing. And I love how we connected the dots on all the different parts in your life and how that made you and brought you to who you are today. And you are such an amazing inspiration. I thought it would be fun for the last couple minutes of the show just to rip off some really quick questions. um, And you answer so we get to learn a little bit more about you. What is your favorite show? I don't watch TV. Favorite restaurant? Oh, well, I would get in trouble if I said that because I have so many as customers, I think. <laughs> okay, we'll skip that. <laughs> yeah. Something on your bucket list. Oh, um, well, I'm seeing Bob Dylan next week in Springfield, which I'm really excited about because he's pretty old and he might uh, <laughs> pass away. So I'm going to check that off my bucket list. If you had to give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? No is actually a word in your vocabulary. If you wanted to to be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Being selfless. If you could live anywhere, where would it be? Here. What do people misunderstand about you the most? What do people misunderstand about me the most? That I have endless energy. What is your biggest pet peeve? rude people well tara thank you thank you for letting us turn the tables on you today thank you for opening up about some very intimate topics and for all you do to make this area a better place and to inspire all of us uh, to do better to be better Um, and thank you to everybody who's listening today and i want to give a special thank you to our sponsors business west and greenfield savings bank who i I love the story because i would have never made that connection so i really appreciate that and and mark taking a chance on you and now look I know. community is a better place because of that and because of you I know I tell everyone that we have a commercial love relationship which he hates but it's because he loaned me the money for my dream and I paid him back which is like a true commercial love relationship and the last thing I want to ask you and that you can tell people is what do you do for yourself how do you reset Yeah, I mean, I think self-care is really important. And no matter how busy you are, you have to make time for yourself. So I have a really um, amazing yoga practice. I go to Yoga of the Valley in Florence, which is really close to my house, which helps because I'm usually coming in on two wheels, not just to yoga class, but to everything else as well. Um, But, you know, it's a place where you have time for yourself on the mat, time to breathe, time to pause, time to try to like, you know, like clear everything out of your mind, like really like take a pause and take a breath and like be able to like land somewhere you know somewhere for yourself somewhere that's you're not dealing with everything else and also I yawn through the whole class so I'm pretty sure I don't breathe through the entire day I love it this is Western Mass Business Show on WHMP Radio I'm Carla Gazenzi thank you Tara Brewster and Joan Holiday. this was great thank you Carla you're the best
The Western Mass Business Show with Tara Brewster, WHMP.